Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast with your hosts, Karen and Dan. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively create characters and daydream about their validity in-game. Each week we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey everybody, Dan here. Sup, it's Garen. Ah, Garen, very hip. Truly a rad dad you are. This week we are thrilled to feature a best-selling supplement from Nord Games, the Game Master's Toolbox, Ultimate Bestiary, Revenge of the Horde. Guys, this book has got just about everything. As the title suggests, there's a bestiary in here. There's also a very Volo's Guide take on lore when you're talking about bugbears, gnolls, goblins, orcs, a new race called Okiti, the rat people. And when I say Volo's Guide, because it does go into what these cultures are about, but it delves into sub-races of these monstrous races in really fun and interesting, creative ways. Also includes seven playable races, a ton of content for both the DM and the player. This is a must-buy. We're going to say it already. Yeah, and to add a little bit more onto what Garen said about this supplement, this is truly a gem for players and DMs alike. There is a great bestiary inside, and there is also some really fantastic lore that can beef up anyone's game to add some real tangible depth, not only to any monsters you face, but any monstrous races you use as a PC. Does that mean you're going to have a clever backstory this time? Well, I guess we can find out, can't we? Let me introduce you to Alwyn. Alvin? Alwyn. I, don't I do not a sp- remember a chipmunk race. <laughs> a member of the Kunklef tribe, Alwyn always spent his days with his small family as an outcast and devout follower of the goblin pantheon of gods. Alwyn and his tribe spent much of their days as scavengers in the remote region of the Glimmerwood. They would survive mostly through foraging and raiding the camps of invading adventurers, adding their heads to their totems as trophies as a way to incite great fear in passersby something that the Kunklef tribe valued greatly. However, Mm. their highly unpredictable food sourcing from day to day meant that these bugbears were a little bit scrawnier than most other bands. Their builds were lanky and lean, but this way of life had proven fruitful and satisfactory for the Kunklef tribe's people for many years. Though mostly transient, this band of Kunklef stayed mostly in the same region of Faerun due to the urban outlying surroundings. Their nuisance did not go unnoticed, however. The nearby citadel Adbar had just come under new rule by a great-great-grandson of the notorious King Adbar himself. His main initiative was to make people feel safe in his region once more, and to rid of the pesky scavengers in the outlying areas of town. As members of the Kunklef, it is not uncommon for these bugbears to venture off on their own. In two calendar years since the new king took rule, nearly half of Awin's tribe had perished at the hands of the citadel's marksmen. The king even ordered that these bugbears' heads be displayed on the citadel walls, leading to the entrance. Alwyn and the remaining bugbears in the Kunklef band of the Glimmerwood 
have now decided to stand up to the king's regime and use their magic and stealthiness granted to them by their face to assassinate the king and gut the inner workings of the citadel governmental powers responsible for their tribesmen's deaths and instilling fear into the hearts and minds of the citadel's people so that this never happens again, changing the entire landscape of the town forever. So let me introduce you to Alwyn, the augury bugbear, level four, arcane trickster, archetype rogue of the criminal spy background. And let me just make a side note here. Wizards, I know you don't listen to our show, but if anybody related to somebody who works at Wizards listens to our show, please come up with more backgrounds, please. We've been really scraping for that. I, we've been pulling a lot of homebrew and stuff. I mean, yes, you could argue that the backgrounds they've created are general enough that they work for a lot of different kind of reskins, but we just want to dive into some real content, you know? And, and the whole purpose of our show is to kind of have players dive outside of their regular, you know, little comfort zones and go and explore new things as far as their backstories go. And I feel like these backgrounds really limit people to just the, you know, I don't know, 20 backgrounds that they have. And there's so much you can do. So I digress. Garen, tell me about your character this week. My character is a Okiti, the rat people. They are a very clever, slight of build with dexterous little tails. And my Okiti, McChez, actually saw the destruction of most of his people. Um, his village was scattered after an attack. He roamed around with some survivors, not really his family, but those others that he was able to escape with, those ended up falling off. They either left on their own or they died of disease. Soon he was left with no one. And in this moment of sorrow, he found himself rhyming. Over the corpse of the last person from his village, he just started putting together strings of words. And it brought him some comfort. As he continued to travel alone, he kept thinking of these rhymes and he kept finding rhymes in everything he saw around him, the trees, the birds. He'd go to towns and he would rhyme for people. And soon his rhyme started becoming charming. And McChez became the master of the limerick, the five-line poem with a cheeky rhyming pattern of A-A-B-B-A. And so I will wrap up my backstory with a limerick about McChez. There was once a young Okiti alone no one to entertain but some bones. So he struck out for gold, and so the legend is told he was enthralling when he got in the zone. So I want to introduce you to McChez, the level four glamour bard Okiti of the writer background. And he is going to be bringing this episode home in his tiny little ratty paw. The writer background, where'd that come from? Oh, that is D&D Beyond Homebrew. Perfect that you mentioned how we're scraping the bottom because I couldn't even find anything that worked for me. So I'm not going to fault you for that. And I also r normally hate your douchebagginess, but the theming here on this Glamour Bard, I'm tempted to give you a plus two in X Factor, and that's not even a scored category. But let me make a note here. In addition to the ultimate bestiary, Revenge of the Horde, do you know what else is an essential component to any Game Master's toolbox, Garen? Oh, man, I can't think of it. What is it? Cantrip candles. Oh, yeah, they're the purveyors of 100% soy-based candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world. Musty taverns, libraries full of arcane texts, or one of my personal favorites, Dungeon Depths. Nothing immerses you quite like the atmosphere like this candle with musty notes of dust, stone, and stale water. 
but to be honest, you can find a scent for any of your adventure settings in their sampler pack, which offer all of their scents for just $11 plus shipping. Once you decide that you want to buy every single one of them, we're happy to announce that you now can, and the lab will help cover some of the cost. When you enter the code LABRAT, that's L-A-B-R-A-T, all caps, at checkout, you receive 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That is Cantrip Candles. And if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, well, you obviously are a barbarian. Thank you, Cantrip Candles, for your partnership with our show and that message. Let me move right into the melee category with my own little lab rat, McChez the Okiti, would start thusly. He possesses a rapier, plus four to hit, one D8, plus two. Of course, my blade may be thin, but one stab is enough to win. So I'll take a minus one and call it done because this battle is yet to begin. <laughs> so did you write a haiku for all of these? I wrote a limerick, Dan, for all so, of these. That is actually really cool. It's going to be very hard for me to back down from whatever you're arguing. <laughs> well, just cool. to clarify, all I want is a minus one with a one attack, one D8 plus two. Yeah, that's actually not that bad. Boy, you, know, you, you sure are a charmer. <laughs> oh, this is the bardiest bard I've ever barded in this lab right here. <laughs> so I'm arguing a plus two. I have a rapier with seven, plus seven to hit, 1d8 plus four piercing. I have sneak attack, which deals out 2d6 damage. But then I also have the racial trait of brutish, which one time per turn, I can use my proficiency bonus and I can add the total of that proficiency bonus to the damage uh, of the weapon that I'm working with. So I think that's a plus two. What's your max potential damage then? 1d8 plus 4 is 12. Sneak attack of 2d6 would be another 12 is 24. Plus 2 is 26 damage at level okay, 4. Okay, that is. With that combo, I will grant you the plus 2 on this. But if you ever pull out that sneak attack again, I'm going to need some evidence that you're able to land it a little easier. Because we know sneak attack is not promised damage. You got it. So moving into ranged, uh, I'm arguing a negative 2 because I have nothing. All right. So you balance out nicely there. Well, here's what I got. A boomerang, 1d4 plus 2. Now, I know you may be asking yourself, where the hell did you get a boomerang? Well, let me answer with a limerick. Here I'm guilty of a little cheat, but I think you'd find it quite neat. I throw a boomerang and the bad guys say dang. Another minus 1 on the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. Fucking wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, what kind of magic damage does your poetic lab rat bring to the table? Burninating gets a little bit more interesting. A plus one here isn't so steep, as my words can cut quite deep, and they'll scream so loud when they enter my clouds from daggers that don't make a peep. Can you guess my spells? So, Cloud of Daggers? Yeah. Vicious Mockery? Yes. Crown of Madness? No, just those two. Okay, so you're arguing a plus one? Yeah, I like Cloud of Daggers. I'm, I'm, I'm arguing a plus one just because I'm such a fan of Cloud of Daggers, and I'm thinking it's cooler than it is. Yeah, I think you're well-deserving of your plus one. Your limerick did it justice, and I guessed correctly, so yeah, plus one you get. Thank you like very a, much. It was like a fun little game. I'm going to argue a plus one because I get Toll the Dead, which does 1d12, oh. 1D and Chill Touch, which does 1d8, and those are cantrips. Right on. Yes, you said a one? Yes. Very so, appropriate. You probably have more damage output than me, so I'll take that. So moving into Control... I'm arguing a minus one. I have a passive perception of 15, investigation checks of a plus five, dark vision of 60 feet, thieves can't, powerful build, and I also have proficiency in grabbing at straws to avoid a minus two in control. <laughs> Man, I was going to say something to that effect, so 
Oh, the, yes. Yes. Well done. That, uh, that is a minus one for sure. <laughs> what do you have, rat boy? My fairy's fire makes them easy to hit, and my inspired friends won't want to quit. I know when to wait with an insight of eight, and my alert feet makes me the shit. You are going to what? Plus two. Oh, no way. Plus two is way out of bounds. Uh, you'll get a zero. Okay, no, no, no. Really, though, I'm using Bardic Inspiration and Control because it makes my friends more powerful in the combat. Fairy's Fire, which grants advantage on attacks once they're lit up. The Insight I'm throwing in there because an Insight of 8 is not bad. And I have Alert Feet, which grants me a bonus to Initiative, and I can't be surprised. How about this? Roll That's for your plus pl- one. Roll for your plus one. Okay. I have a pretty solid Charisma of 14. Not optimized. You're welcome. And I'll tell you this much. With your Limericks... You're a 20 in my book. I rolled a 13 plus 2. That's a 15. Get that plus 1. All right. How tanky are you, bro? Okiti can resist poison and disease, and my song of rest puts folks at ease. But I have 36 HP and only 13 AC, so give me a zero, pretty please. (sighs) Yeah, you can get a zero. Because I'm arguing the same. I have an AC of 15. I have 36 HP, and I've got cunning action. Okay. Yes, you have it. <laughs> wow, yeah, we, we do not have much to offer in this category at all. Nope. This might but, be the least tanky overall episode. But in Ally Assist, Margaret a minus one, because you have to remember, my guy is on a shared mission with these other guys to overthrow the king. And so that mm-hmm. shared mission is better than nothing. And that's why I think it's a minus one. <laughs> If you ever saw High School Musical, you would know the song, We're all in this together. And I think that that alone, that me singing that, is a minus one. I wanted a little bit more of the song. I can sing it in Goblin. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, that was like a beady-eyed Zac Efron. With, like, hair coming out of everywhere. Yeah. So delicious. How do you help your friends, Garen? You're not asking Garen. You're asking McChez. Before I tell you how McChez helps his friends, let me tell you how you guys can help Garen and Dan. At our live event last Saturday, we had quite a few people asking about our Ability Score shirts and where we got them. If you're curious as to what the hell we're talking about, consider checking out our Spreadshirt page at shop.spreadshirt.com slash dndcharacterlab. That link is also in the episode description, and all proceeds benefit our show. If you didn't even know that we had a live event, be sure to follow DND Character Lab on Twitter and Facebook at DND Character Lab. What's Facebook? Now. <laughs> you don't use Facebook? I don't. I got to get on that. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> you, you can prick your friends. All right, so let me tell you about McChez helping his friends. Did I mention I have Song of Rest? And Mantle of Inspiration is the best. With 10 hit points, allies blow this joint, free movement without taking one to the chest. So, Song of Rest, because that bonus healing during the short rest, and Mantle of Inspiration grants five temporary hit points, and my allies can use their reaction to move their move speed without attacks of opportunity. So that's what that was going on in the limerick there. I am arguing a one. Yeah, you're worthy. Compared to yours, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sang We're All in This Together in Goblin, so yeah, that's fine. (laughs) How balanced are you? Not the best balance. I have nothing below a 10. Good intelligence and wisdom make me zen. Skills above the grade, thanks Jack of All Trades. Charisma only a two, so give me a one, Dan. So for a bard, I'll gladly give you a one. 
Because normally bards clean this category with a plus two without even battering an eyelash. Batting an eyelash, but let not me... battering. <laughs> we don't want to <laughs> batter any eyelashes here. Let me just run down my stats for you because I kind of enjoy this build. This is a strength of 10, dex of 15, con of 12, intelligence of 14, wisdom of 12, charisma of 14. I'm kind of seeing this as a wandering scavenger kind of character. That's why the the con is a little bit higher. The intelligence and the wisdom, I wanted to boost those because with the limericks, I'm kind of playing off the insight and the perception that he always has to be thinking on his feet. So his charisma is not way up there for a bar just yet, but he's kind of a overall really nicely balanced guy. Yeah, I really like it. So for this category, I'm also arguing a plus one. I have a strength of 12, a dexterity of 18, con of 12, intelligence of 14, wisdom of 8, and a charisma of 13. My spellcasting modifier as a arcane trickster rogue is intelligence. So that's why this bugbear is smarter than your average bugbear. And I have proficiency in quite a few things, also expertise in a couple things. I have expertise in deception as well as perception and stealth and sleight of hand. So deception of plus seven, sleight of hand of 10, stealth of 10, religion of a plus five, perception of a plus five, investigation of a plus five, intimidation of a plus four, and a passive perception of a plus 15. So this is this is kind of a bright bugbear. Yeah, well, you're also, you're also working with kind of a guy who had to scrape his way by and make things for himself. He was, nothing was given to him. Yeah, so this tribe in the text is kind of described as this sort of like outlier band, and they worship the pantheon of gods that goblins also worship. And these gods value instilling fear in people. And so these bugbears really go around trying to instill fear and also really just being kind of disgusting scavengers. They're really kind of the lowest low, and that's why they're kind of scrawny and lanky. So I, I didn't want to get too much into the X factor there, but these guys are a little bit more of like your hobo bugbears that can do magic and scare people. <laughs> Yes, very well said. What's going on with that augury bugbear, which is a really cool take on the bugbear. So we are moving into our charisma, the pinnacle of our episode here. And I have prepared the charisma scenario. So before we go into smooth operator, Dan, I want to set the scene here. Your monstrous party of bugbears is enjoying a brunch when a rough looking group of racist anti-furs enter the restaurant and immediately start making rude and hateful remarks loud enough for you to hear. How do you handle this in a smooth way? So I'm arguing a zero here. I would use my rapier to shave a portion of my arm fur and keep the clippings in my hand. I would then use my plus 10 to stealth and sleight of hand to make my way over to the underside of the table in which they were sitting at. And I would adhere the fur to the hand of one of the most vocal members of the party talking shit about us with tree sap that was used from the Glimmerwood. I would then make my way back to my own table, and I would use my racial trait of hunting trick, which allows me to throw my voice up to 30 feet away, and it makes it sound like the origin of the voice is from the point in which you choose. And I would put it at a table adjacent to theirs, and I would say, hey, what's that on your hand? <laughs> and then if they got suspicious, I mean, he'd look at his hand, he'd be frightened, he'd be like, whoa, I'm talking shit, and I hear I've got fur. If he suspects the table full of furry, monstrous races... I can use my plus seven to deception checks to say, uh, and it wasn't me, buddy. There's a lot going on here. A lot of roles. You got your sleight of hand. You got your deception. How are you even approaching this table without them immediately trying to throw you out, you know? So really, actually, what's really cool in this text is 
it highlights a lot of the stealthy abilities of bugbears, which is actually really cool, and that's what made me think of a rogue. I don't normally think of bugbears as rogues, but it highlighted a lot of their more deceptive, stealthy, thievery kind of aspects to the bugbear. And so that's why I gained expertise in stealth and deception. Now, I kind of imagine this being like a crawling down on the table, like army crawl under the table and get there and then army crawl back. Okay. <laughs> so this bugbear is army crawling over to their table. I mean, I'm going to need am, a... I, I'm arguing a zero. So, I mean, I'm not... I know that there's a lot of stuff at play here. I'm not arguing a plus two. I don't think this is the most brilliant plan. But I do think that there's a cool racial trait as well as some decent abilities to back up these rolls. I'm going to make you roll on this, but I'm not going to use your charisma. I'm going to use your stealth. Okay. Because I think this all hinges on this army crawl in this cafe where everyone's having brunch. If you not nail to mention, the stealth check. Not to mention the sleight of hand to put tree sap on some fur to slap it on his wrist. What's higher, your stealth or your sleight they're, of hand? They're both plus 10. They're plus 10? I have expertise, friend. Oh my gosh. Okay. So anyways, okay. like you said, I'm using stealth and this is a this is a higher DC. <laughs> oh, what's the DC then? Because I rolled an 18 plus 10. <laughs> okay, I think you nailed it. That okay. Was good. That amazing roll is worthy of a zero. <laughs> so how do you handle this in a smooth operator kind of way? Well, here's what I can do. I'm gonna open with my limerick and then I'll explain myself a little bit more. I'm arguing a one here. Minor illusion creates a lanky man outside where once stood a trash can. I use magic mouth on the fake. Hopefully they the bait they take. And then I laugh as they beat up fake Dan. So I create a version of you standing out on the street just talking mad shit at these anti-fur guys. Because the magic mouth. It's very this, believable. Yes. Especially if you were a little hammered, you might just start yelling at some racists. I've been known to get political a time or two. Magic Mouth allows me to put 25 words into a location that I would then trigger <laughs> when I want. So I put them on the trash can, but then I put the illusion of you standing over the trash can. So then your I voice comes it. out like... Yeah, I love this. Can you do an impression of me? Listen. Listen here, you shaved head sons of bitches. <laughs> I sound like Jared you Kushner. <laughs> You don't deserve those omelets. Get out here and fight me in my fucking chinos and boat shoes. So, so again, one. I'm arguing a one. Yeah, get yeah. it. You take it. And, and how do you handle this aggressively? Also arguing a plus one. You boys might think I'm just stalling, but you'll soon find my performance enthralling. With my tail, I'll stash some illegal hash, and the guards, they will come a-calling. So I am using enthralling performance as being a glamour bard, where they fail a wisdom save and they're immediately charmed by me. And I'm using a feature of the Okiti, the cunning tail, where I can use my tail to manipulate objects. It is not perfect like a mage hand. It does have... It's really nicely balanced, where it can be a simple action such as the uh, what could be capable of a limp hand, knocking over an object weighing less than five pounds, or lifting a small object weighing one pound. You can't, you cannot make attacks with your tail. But I also have sleight of hand of four, so I'm gonna say that I'm just putting a bag of drugs into their stuff, and then I call the cops. Oh man, that's and I get them arrested. A, that's a stretch on that racial ability. I can lift something worth a pound. I would not have a pound of drugs on me. No, I mean I I know, but 
You're not really using the racial trait as much as you are the drugs. <laughs> I'm using the, the, the tail as I'm talking to them, as I'm enthralling them in my performance, my tail is just planting drugs on them. Oh, you're planting drugs on them. I thought you were putting the drugs up your own butt with your tail. I'm sorry. That your limerick was <laughs> very unclear. Why would I be unclear. doing that? Uh, your, very, your limerick was not very clear. Why would, I'm not stealing their drugs. I'm always. You Can you read that line of the limerick again? With my tail, I'll stash some illegal hash. Yeah, I thought you were putting it in your butt. I didn't say my ash. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Take your plus one. I'm arguing a plus two. I would approach the table with a chair, AC Slater style. I think you know which one, which way I'm talking about. Naturally. <laughs> I would grab. I'm one already of the, sold. <laughs> I'd grab one of the severed heads from my totem, and I would start to eat it like an apple. I would then say, "Oh shit!" You all were saying. And then bits of eye jelly splattering from my fanged teeth would spray onto the faces of the gossip, gossiping antifers. If they Damn. Yeah. If they proceeded to get nasty with me right to my face, I would swiftly cast Ray of Sickness to whom I believe the chieftain to be, causing him poison damage and the poison condition. Just as he was feeling his worst, I would cast Chill Touch on him and a skeletal hand would appear from one of the heads of my totem and wrap its bony fingers around his neck of the poison chieftain, causing pain so severe he wished he were dead. But then I would use my rapier to alleviate his pain by decapitating him. I would then toss what remained of the half-eaten head onto the table and replace it with the chieftain's head, and I would slowly walk away from the table, instructing the rest of the party not to come around these parts anymore. I think that's a plus two. Oh, you didn't even need the spells. You had me sold with the AC bugbear and the biting the skull. I almost argue that you should lose points for assuming that racists have a chieftain and they're not just a gaggle of assholes, but your your story makes perfect sense. No, I mean, you're right, but there's always one or two assholes that tend to show up and talk at UC Irvine or something. More of an alpha male, for sure. Yes, you can. You get your plus two. We finish out the episode. Dan, I ask you first, especially the augury bugbear. Let's just talk about that. Would you play an augury bugbear? So, yes, I love bugbears. A. And I love, it really can't be stated enough, I really love the Midgard Heroes Handbook, and I really love this supplement, what it does for the monstrous races, because it adds a hell of a lot of depth. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, hell yes. It was very hard for me to pick one. I was almost going to do a gutter knoll, which are these knolls that kind of live in civilization, but they live in the sewers. They're trashy, they're stupid, and a race that's already very disgusting, and then this this book takes it to a whole new level. And I was just like, that's brilliant. That's something that I want to put as a DM in my campaign because I'm using a lot of gnolls. You know this in the adventure that I'm running you guys through with a lot of gnolls. And I'm going to add a lot of depth to these gnolls now thanks to this book. Yeah. And, so cool. Yeah. And to be honest, there were, I think, four different tribes of bugbear that I completely did not know about. And they were just completely created in this text. They gave their environmental context. It gave their behavioral context. It gave a whole lot of depth to these characters that, you know, were previously kind of shoved aside in previous texts by wizards. This really expounded on that and allowed me to flesh out this character to where it was almost natural. Agreed. It's really well written. And if you liked Volo's Guide, you'll love this book. And you and I are both huge fans of Volo's Guide. Agreed. So, Garen, that being said... I think it's time for the drum roll. Dan, I have taken this episode three to two. These were level four characters, so they weren't going to score very high. It was actually a pretty close match. And I want to congratulate you on a very cool character. Yeah, same to you. Actually, one of the 
one of the more cool bards, and I really do like how you went with those limericks. A very different take on our, our episodes. Uh, I, you won me over. I wasn't sure if you were going to love it or hate it, but I'm glad it went over. I hope the audience appreciated it. If you want me to bring back more limericks, holler at your boy. Dan, despite the nice things I just said, you suck as usual. And though the supplement may have given you a spit shine, your true inner suck was on full display yet again. That really hurt. And that will be a minus two to your emotional tankiness. Now let's take a look at what's new coming out of the lab in the coming weeks. Check out our supplements on DMs Guild. We've got a lot out there. I think it's eight now that you can download. Everything's a buck or free. And if you love it, please leave us a review because that really helps more people coming along. You probably buy things on DMs Guild because it's got five-star reviews. So leave them for us. If you can't get enough of our show, consider checking out our Patreon. We have a total of six Fight Club and five Monster Lab episodes available on our Patreon page right now. That's right. You can listen to 11 episodes at your leisure if you become a $5 donor today. We are also working on getting our YouTube channel up and running with some new player-based content. So check our social media for news on that as we will be giving teasers and previews as to what to expect. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about this. And guys, we really do appreciate your support any which way you can give it, even if it's just listening to our show every week. This is truly a two-man operation. We really do appreciate everything that you do. And as always, I'd like to mention that if you'd like to send your content over to our way, if you're a publisher or a writer uh, and you'd like us to feature your content, go ahead and send us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com and we can get back to you as soon as possible to arrange how we can get that going for you because we really, we really do like to highlight a lot of the great stuff going on in the D&D community. And uh, that about wraps it up for us this week, Lab Rats. Just remember, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly... Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.